Welcome to the Real Estate Espresso Podcast, your morning shot of what's new in the world of real estate investing. I'm your host, Victor Manash. The Wall Street Journal published an article this week in collaboration with Realtor.com that ranked 300 communities across the United States based on a set of criteria. The purpose of the ranking is somehow tied to their prediction of those communities offering the best rate of return on investment using a set of criteria that they applied to their methodology. And the Wall Street Journal is widely read, and I've got no doubt that this piece is going to be widely referenced by other reporters and perhaps your own investors as well. On today's show, we're taking a deep look at this report so that you're able to answer questions about the report that might be coming from your own investors. To identify the top emerging housing markets, the Wall Street Journal and Realtor.com reviewed data for the 300 most populous core-based areas using U.S. Census data. The methodology explores two main areas, the real estate markets with about a 50% weighting and economic health, making up the other 50%. Those two areas comprise eight key indicators that the Wall Street Journal applied with a weighting to each of those eight indicators, and they made up a metric And from that metric, they came up with a ranking. So let's go over the eight indicators. The first is real estate supply with a 16.6% weighting. It measures the relative scarcity of real estate for sale in the market compared with others based on real estate listings median number of days on market. Markets with high supply score have relatively few days on market compared with other areas. Next, they looked at demand, also with a 16.6% weighting. It measures the relative abundance of real estate demand in a market compared with other markets. Markets with high demand score have a relatively large number of viewers per home. The abundant buyer demand is likely to lead to home price growth. Next, they looked at medium home listing price trend, again with a 16.6% weighting. It measures recent home price performance compared with other markets based on typical asking prices for real estate listings that are active on Realtor.com. Next, they looked at unemployment with a 6.25% weighting. It measures the relative health of the local job market. The data consists of the estimated percentage of the civilian non-institutional population who were not employed during their reference period and they use the seasonally adjusted data to come up with their index. Next, they look at wages, also with a 6.25% weighting. They measure the quality of employment in the area in terms of total wages. They look at median usual weekly earnings for full-time and salaried workers before taxes and deductions, and they don't look at self-employed workers. Next, they look at regional price parities, also with a 6.25% weighting. They measure how expensive it is to live and work in that metro area. It consists of differences in price levels across the metro area within a given year, and they express that as a percentage of the overall national price level. It covers all goods and services, including housing rent. Next, they looked at amenities with a 6.25% weighting. It measures the livability of an area in terms of available amenities. The metric that they used were chain stores for everyday splurge purchases. So they look specifically at the number of Starbucks, Whole Foods, and Trader Joe's location within the area per capita. Would have never guessed that access to Whole Foods was an essential amenity from an investment standpoint. Next, they looked at the commute time, also with a 6.25% weighting. It measures quality of life in terms of how long residents have to spend getting to and from work every day. It looks at the average one-way travel commute time for workers age 16 years and older and who didn't work from home. I'm guessing they base this on the U.S. Census data as well. Next, they look at the percentage of foreign-born residents, also with a 6.25% weighting. It's a measure of economic health and diversity in an area as represented by the population that was born outside the United States. Studies indicate a strong correlation between economic vitality and 
the number of foreign-born residents. Next, they looked at small business, also with a 6.25% weighting. It measures the economic health and diversity in an area as represented by small business activity. The metric that they used to come up with this number is they looked at the number of granted SBA loans per capita. Next, they looked at property taxes, also with a 6.25% weighting. They measure the real estate taxes based on median home price. Areas with higher effective real estate taxes are ranked lower, while areas with lower effective real estate taxes are ranked higher. And they put all this together, they put all this together to come up with a final score. Now I see a bunch of problems with this approach using the ranking. And unfortunately, these types of rankings are widely read and taken by many investors as the gospel. But I wonder if anyone's actually looked critically at the ranking method to see if it makes any sense. Three of the biggest factors affecting investment attractiveness for investors are, number one, state taxes. Number two, the bureaucracy. How bureaucratic, how difficult is it to get business done in that particular area? And number three, the landlord-tenant regulations. None of these are even mentioned as factors that investors might care about. It's great that they looked at property taxes, but there are some locations that have zero state tax and they collect revenue by having higher property taxes. It's not a question of whether your property taxes are high. It's a question of what's your total tax bill look like. None of these important factors are even mentioned as something that might influence an investor's decision or an investor's rate of return. And because of these amateurish skewed metrics, they've put locations like Santa Cruz, California higher on the list of desirability than Dallas, Texas. They've even listed San Francisco and Seattle higher on the list than Dallas. They've listed Fresno, California higher on the list than Nashville. You might have investors asking you about your choice of location and quoting the Wall Street Journal list of desirable investment cities rankings. You want to be able to educate your investors about the report and show them that the report is an amateurish piece of work that is not even worth the old-fashioned newsprint on which it might be printed. As you think about that, have an awesome rest of your day. Go make some great things happen. We'll talk to you again tomorrow.